Triple H FM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the wise man, Matt Mears. Yes, hello and welcome to another edition of the Splinters podcast here on Triple H 100.1 FM and all you good and bad podcast sites out there. We obviously do this thanks to our great station sponsors in Atlas Chart Accountants, The Post, ISC Sport, Business Plaza, and the Hornsby RSL. I am the wise man, Matt Mears, looking forward to taking through what's been a big year in rugby union, particularly the Shoot Shield in 2022. Can't do it on my own. Plenty of um, rugby experts with me on the call first up. We know him as the Hat Rack. We all we all know that he's a one-eyed green rat. Here's Shane Evans. Shane, great to have you here for another episode of Splinters. G'day, good evening, Mizzy. Good evening, listeners. Yeah, looking forward to wrapping up what was a very exciting and different 2022 in the Charter Hall Shoot Shield. The top stayed the same. Everyone else changed around a bit, and basically, lots of people got wet. During the season, <laughs> obviously with lots of rain. Oh, I'm but, glad you clarified that. But we will talk more about that towards certain teams when we get towards them, their positions on the ladder. We also, from our good friends at Alive 90.5 and also from your home games out at Eric Tweedle Stadium for the Mighty Two Blues, Dave McDonald, mate, we get you on for these rugby podcasts. Great to have you here again. Thanks, fellas. Nice to uh, be joining you, yeah, and reviewing the season. Definitely a interesting season uh, with a couple of clubs that uh, probably fell away this year and a couple of clubs that surprised, I think you'd say. But um, as Shane said, all the usual suspects up there uh, in and amongst the final series. So I look forward to reviewing what occurred in 2022. Yeah, so there'll be some teams there that... Uh... Probably outperform where they're going to be. Probably ended up not. Probably ended up uh, could have been higher on the table. And um, there are some that will probably be uh, uh, ruining uh, their chances as well. And and thinking what twenty twenty three will be bringing for them. So we'll go through the teams. We'll go from in ladder order from bottom first. And uh, Shane Evans, this is the team that's probably got the most soul searching to do next for in between now and next season that's southern districts only three wins from 18 games finishing with a differential of minus 192 yes we're not expecting south to be right up the tippy top of the ladder but we they would not be expecting to be taking home the wooden spoon either no they weren't obviously todd loudon who was the was the shoot shield coach up until round seven before he decided to part ways with the organization and they were doing okay, even though they weren't winning a lot of games. They were competitive for most of them. But I think Todd saw the writing on the wall and decided to step away and as you can now as we now seeing from behind the scenes that the Southern Districts organisation's in a total rebuild, new coach, new general manager, new board, basically everything. It's just a, as our friend Keith would say, it's a crash and burn and it's just a total rebuild from the bottom up 
all new staff, players, coaches, you name it, they're doing it for next year. Obviously, they don't like having that wooden spoon attached to their name. It's been 15 years since they've had one, so I don't think they want to be getting another one again. Yeah, you'd have to think uh, for the team out at Foreshore Park, Macca, that, uh, as I said, for a team to go through all of that and then, as I said, you, you've got coaches seeing eyes on the, the writing on the wall, you've, you're going to have to basically do a whole big rebuild. It, it, it's going to be that point where how do you keep the players you want to keep? How do you attract new people to the club? Because that's what it's going to have to be for, for Southern Districts. It's going to be now about what personnel they can get in the door that's going to get them up this ladder. Oh, that's right. And that's also going to come down to what people you've got in, in, in staffing positions. Uh, now, turnarounds don't happen in one off season as well. So um, a bit of soul searching there. But um, again, it's as I said, it's not going to be an overnight fix. Yeah, no, it, it certainly won't. And um They'll uh, be hoping for a bit better of a, some better fortunes than their three wins. But as I said, it could be a, a few years yet before we see them back up in finals position. We'll go to the team that finished 11th and another team that um, Shane Evans would not be expecting to be this far down the, the ladder in the uh, West Harbour Pirates. I so said they they have had a, a tumultuous couple of years. They they've, they've not been able to play at their home ground of Concord. They've had to go out and and play their home games at Tremoyne. But uh, it's another club that has said they've they've had some good results in the past, and uh, they would not want to be sitting this far down the ladder. No, they wouldn't. But they they'll be happy. Everyone will be happy to know that when we do start the next the twenty twenty three Charterhall Shoot Shield season that they will be back at their spiritual home of Concord Oval, obviously, which is also the West Tigers' centre of excellence and their training field. So that's a good thing for them. Obviously, a couple of good wins there, especially against Waringa in the last round of the regular season as a way to farewell Dremoyne Oval. Also, Cam Trelaw, who was the one of the assistant coaches at Waringa, Rats for the last few seasons has now jumped on board with West Harbour as the first grade coach taking over from 2023. I believe Cam has a three-year deal out there taking over from Joe Barricat. So be good to see what Joe can what Joe's got there now and what he can also give to to Cam and what players that he can pretty much pick and choose to be able to move across to Inner West Sydney to the to the Pirates because we all know Cam being a former Wallabies player and a very good shoot shield player in his own right, he'll be able to track some players into that setup and make it make it a lot better than what it is now. Well, Ma- well, Maka with five wins from their eighteen games, but having the worst differential at a minus a, a hundred two hundred and one. Uh, Cam Trelaw, he's going to have a, a big job ahead of him, particularly, as I said, you can lose games, but as I said, having that big of a differential, that's probably the first target that they're going to have to uh, turn around is and is watch that defence if they uh, they want to have some better results next season. Oh, absolutely. They're in a very similar boat to South 
where they, you know, in excess of 500 points um, conceded. Again, defence number one concern. Um, differential's massive. Um, so, again, both clubs, lot to uh, lot to do in the off-season. Well said. I'm sure they'll hope with uh, Cam Trelaw in, in charge that uh, they'll be hoping for some better results there. Um, I'm sure he can take some of those... Um, we won't say winning ways, but some of that, uh, some of that culture across to them, and uh, see what uh, he has to work with and and get them up the ladder. But uh, we'll go to tenth, and this one you might be able to help us a lot out with Macca and probably a team when when we were looking through the results halfway through the season, probably were expecting to see a little bit further up the ladder. Um, was your Western Sydney Two Blues seven wins from eighteen games? They were uh, nine points ahead, um, finishing on 38 from, from West Harbour. But as I said, it, it, maybe even just a season that could have been um, for, for Western Sydney. Obviously got off to a, a ripper start, but just uh, when it mattered at the, end of the, at the end of the season, just couldn't get those last couple of wins they needed to get themselves inside the eight. Yeah, you summed that up well, Matt. Um, listen, first, it was really... This year was the first year of, I suppose, the new era of the Two Blues, brand new facilities, which are absolutely outstanding, um, but also new general manager in Christian Burden, um, new first-grade coach, Lossie Thackerbell, new staff, um, everything new, and um, a lot of pl- new players to the club. So it was, again, you talk about rebuilding. Well, this is the, the result of the first year of the rebuilding of the Western Sydney Two Blues. Um, again, a lot of players from overseas, including England and New Zealand. Um, again, they've got a handy relationship with the Sales Sharks in, in the UK and they had a number of players from them playing throughout the grades. Um, again, they had some great wins, um, beat a lot of the top sides, um, including Randwick University, well, beating Sydney Uni at home first time in, oh, I can't remember how many years it was now, well, over 30 years. Um, fantastic feat. Um, beating Norse, beating East. Um, but, again, they lost some games where probably they shouldn't have. So um, down to a bit of depth, but I think they're, they're a team on the rise. And, I mean, you, you look at it realistically, guys, and they would not have been expected to win seven games um, when you look at past history. So I think a huge tick in terms of their improvement. And I think it's also another reason their improvement, and, and we'll talk about another club shortly, um, is, again, these two, the, the two clubs in front of West Harbour and South traditionally being the bottom dwellers. Their improvement is going to see, uh, obviously, that competition get even stronger. Yeah, Shane has said... It is getting uh, stronger towards uh, the bottom and the end of the table where, where some of these teams where you, you sort of expect them to be in those bottom um, couple of spots uh, at getting the job done. They're getting the, uh, getting the um, improvements that they need off the field to uh, help themselves on the field. But you, you feel with the with the two blues that, as I said, with, with our great facilities, we'll hopefully be able to make our way out there next season at some point. Um, and, and check them out. But just the, the raving review, Shane, that you hear about those, I said some of the players that they've been able to attract, you'd have to think that, that next year they've got to be pushing for the eight. They definitely do. But as Mac has said in regards to the Sale Sharks, 
obviously that's where Solossi has played some of his professional career with when he was based over in England. But he's able to now pick and choose his own staff. Scott Bradley, who was a former Ringer rat and is the current under-16s New South Wales Gen Blue coach, comes on board to work alongside Solossi as a assistant coach to that first-grade squad. So he's able to bring that recent experience of playing in the Shoot Shield. Scott only finished playing at the Rats three seasons ago, so he's still fairly current and would know a fair few of the players. But also, yeah, but those facilities are absolutely outstanding. Apart from the one week when Warringah went out there and it was a pull, and I think Maka would agree, it was one of the hardest games to sit there, A, to play in, but B, also to watch. Well, we did have a season like no other, didn't we? And uh, not, there wasn't enough cover, unfortunately. There was a bit of cover, but yeah. That, um, again, hopefully in 2023, we won't have the rain that we had. But anyway, my position, I was nice and dry. I'll, uh, sorry about that, Shane. <laughs> no, that, mate, that's all good. Just tell us, are you on board next year as the announcer again for, for your beloved two blues? I'm committed for 2023. Good. Mate, that is very good to hear. Um, we'll go up to the dreaded ninth position, just missing the uh, just missing those finals, and a team that as said we we called their first win in this competition probably two seasons ago, but from there they've really taken an upward turn. Shane Evans, and that's the Hunter Wildfires, not going nine from nine and nine in their in their eighteen games. Um, finishing on 47 points, only two points outside. They actually had more wins than the team that came eight. That was just bonus points that let them down. Um, as I said, if you're up in the Hunter, obviously, finally, that, that, that talent that they've got up there are seeing the wildfires as a viable team to be able to go and, and play for rather than staying up in the, in the Newcastle competition. Yeah, it definitely is. Obviously, as you said, Yourself and Kiwi Mick and I think Georgia was there as well. You were able to call that first ever oh, win of the Yes, at Lidcombe Oval. I'll never forget yeah. calling at Lidcombe Oval. Yeah. Out of Lidcombe Oval, <laughs> it, was, it was good to see them get that win. But, yeah, there's now that progression path for all the players, whether they're the great-aged players or the cold-aged kids that can come through from that Newcastle Rugby Union competition and move into the Hunter Wildfire setup, which is still run by Scott Bubba Coleman up there and doing a good job. Also helps the fact he has his, has a big brother in Darren Coleman, the current Waratahs head coach, there to be able to bounce ideas off as well. But much to admit, I felt sorry for the Wildfire, knowing that they went, went into the last game. They believed that if they won their game and a couple of results went their way, that they would make it in, but literally they were able to celebrate being in the finals for the first time for seven minutes until the team that we're going to talk about next ended up winning that last game and capturing a bonus point, which was enough just to knock the wildfire out. But we know that Scott Coleman will get that side up and going again, looking at expanding their team setup instead of just having the two grade sides and a Colts team, they're looking to expand to have three grades and two Colts, which is good for the competition, but also for the club. 
allows a bit more experience and more players to get up there. But obviously that's 2023 coming up. So we'll see over the next couple of months how Scott's got that club tracking. Yeah, Macker, I said it was, it's good to see a, a team like the Wildfires um, continue to, to make strides. And, and as Shane said, they're looking to have those extra teams having a third grade Colts, uh, sorry, a third grade team, and then uh, combine that with their Colts. Yeah, it said it just makes clubs stronger. It said you have more people that are that are playing, more people in the system, and you just feel that uh, they're going to be giving that um, final series a shake next year. I think you're absolutely right. For me, they were the biggest improvers, um, not just in Shoot Shield, but as a club. Uh, you see the professionalism, well, particularly when they came to Eric Tweedale. Um, again, they 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 should be really proud of of, of what they did. Um, minus 31 differential, nine wins, nine losses. Can't complain. That's a, a pretty good pretty good effort. As you said, a lot of those wins were maybe tight wins. Uh, of course, as you said, bonus points are such a key in this competition. Um, but look out, the wildfires are going to only going to be stronger next year. Yeah, it's good to see for the competition that uh... – we can get some of these teams up there fit and firing. They'll be we'll getting now into the teams that made the top eight, and they said they'll be one, the ones that will be looking down towards the the two Blues and the Wildfires next year to make sure they can keep their space in there. First, we'll go off to Eastern Suburbs. They said eight wins, ten losses. So it was that that bonus point, that final win in the, in the year that got them scraping into the into the um, eight by on forty nine points, actually level with the team above them. Crazy to think of that's how close that this final series came down to. But uh, they were, unfortunately, they did get knocked out in the first week, uh, 36 points to 23 out at Eric Tweedle Stadium, Shane Evans. And um, as said, Eastern Suburbs, they would have found themselves very lucky to make that um, to make that uh, final eight positions. But at the end of the day, they were only they were always going to be probably one of those teams that it was going to be a, a thanks for coming particularly taking on a team like Eastwood. Yeah, it definitely would, but it would have been really surprising for Eastwood and Eastern Suburbs to having to go out to Macca's home and out at, out at the Tweedle and having to play the first week of finals there. I understand why they've gone out there, and I applaud the SIU for for giving, giving the, the two Blues those games out there. It's a nice touch of way of saying thank you very much for everything that they've done during the season. But, yeah, Eastern Suburbs, unfortunately, yeah, we just weren't good enough on that day against Eastwood. We're good during the season, but, yeah, I said, it's unfortunate that that was the team that got that extra bonus point right at the end, which knocked the wildfire out, which is unfortunate for them. But we always know Eastern Suburbs will come back through again. They'll, they'll, real, they'll do a small rebuild lose a couple of plays up to the Waratahs, but pretty much their, their squads are set for next year. Colts players age out and move up into the grade, but they've got a good fourth and fifth Colts sides that will come up into the Colts setups up there and pretty good under head coach Dan England. Yeah, Marco said it will be, it'll be some uh, good momentum for next year. He said he obviously would like to make the finals rather than not. And he said to do it in such a spectacular way in the last game of the year, that'll, that'll have everybody buoyed come preseason. They'll be looking forward to uh, what they can do next year. 
Oh, of course. Yeah, well, good, good result that they snuck in just at that last moment. But Eastern Suburbs always expect better uh, and expect to be higher up in the ladder. So, yeah, again, uh, expect some bigger things. Again, as Shane said, they've got plenty of depth at the club. Uh, it's just about that continuing through. And, again, it all depends on availabilities throughout the season um, on, on representative duties. Well, we'll move into the team that came seventh. Uh, again, 18 wins, 18 games for nine wins, nine losses. They finished on 49 points along with Eastern Suburbs, the Gordon Stags and Shane. They uh, did a number on your boys, 36 points to 20 at Pittwater Rugby Park in the qualifying finals before they made it all the way through to the grand final. So, I said a, a year that um, a year that you would think we've just scraped into the finals, particularly being level on the same points as the team behind us in eighth. But to to make it then all the way through with a, I said they they beat Warringah, then they they had to do it the hard way. They beat Randwick in the semi-finals, twenty-four points to twenty-three. A very amazing game there. Then defeated their old rivals, Norse, 23 points to 13 before they went down to Sydney Uni in that grand final at Leichhardt Oval. But as I said, when you talk about teams that do it the hard way and teams that have to come from behind and and have to do it four wins and, and come out of the bottom half of the four, that would it'd be another team that they'd be absolutely buzzing, thinking what, what can 2023 be after that performance in the final series? Yeah, well... Obviously, having the opportunity to speak to head coach Brian Melrose out at that that first finals weekend out at Pittwater Rugby Park when they did beat my beloved Rats, he said he was actually he was shocked. Do you have to? Do you look at it after nine weeks? They had only had two wins, so two out of nine. So obviously, not a good start when you when you're turning into the second half of the the season. But you also have to remember. The last season that we had completed, who were who were the premiers? Oh yeah, that's right. That was Gordon. They knocked off they knocked off Eastwood at the in the twenty twenty competition grand final down at down at Leichhardt fairly comprehensively. And to be honest, they didn't lose a lot of players. Okay, Rich McDonald spent some time back up with the New South Wales Waratahs in their extended squad. A couple of Mahe, well, now I've forgotten his surname. But, yeah, there's a, there's a few few of the forwards made up into some of the supplementary squads for the Waratahs or their seconds teams. So, but in general, but to come back from being two and seven at the halfway mark and make it into the finals, Brian was really surprised. And then to do it the hard way, as you said, and get four wins on the bounce, Especially against Baringa, and then having to do it the long, the long hard way with a penalty goal after the sign to beat Ramwick out at Coogee, and then to comfortably beat Northern Suburbs out at Pittwater, but just unfortunately weren't good enough against Uni on Grand Final day. Nothing for them to sneeze at. Brian Melrose is back at coaching the club again. Next year, he'll have a, a few more players obviously coming back with representative experience, but I can't see them not making the finals again next year. 
Yeah, Dave, they, they talk about momentum in, in the back end of the season, particularly coming into finals. And with, um, with the, said, the seven from seven wins from their last nine matches to scrape in and then, they said, win those three finals matches. I said, it just shows what Gordon has as part of a club. And you'd, ha- you'd hate to think how hard they're going to beat next year, particularly knowing that what they can do in final series and, and be determined to get off to a good start. Well, the beauty of the final series. Uh, again, when you look at the ladder, of course, very slow start. But, again, admirable performance from Gordon um, to, again, string multiple wins together in a row to get them there. And, and again, they, the, they just kept the, the moss gathering on the Rolling Stone. Um, again, expect them to be high next year, no question. Well, we'll go through one more team before we take a break, and it's your beloved Warringah, Shane. They they finished uh, their 18 games with 10 wins and 8 losses to finish on 50 points, so only one point ahead of the 7th and 8th teams there. They, they were the only team in the uh, in the finals to finish on a negative differential, and I said, and they went out to Gordon in that first round at Pittwater Rugby Park in those qualifying finals. I know you've been in deep talks already as to what's going on next year, but I'd say for Raringa, even though the six and that's the usual finishing, that's the usual cutoff for the final series, they'll still be looking at what they can be doing better next season to finish higher up on that ladder. Yeah, certainly will be. Obviously, we had a team meeting as a club over the weekend in regards to coaching structures, players, who we want to look at bringing in where we want to be trying to bring players into, obviously for the Colts having conversations with Knox, Barker and all the private colleges here on the on the North Shore, obviously having the good the good setup there through the Colts, but also with Josh Holmes and Ben Bayless, our coaching staff there for the Colts. But in general for the first graders losing Cam Trelaw doesn't help us but Congratulations to him making the head coach at out at West Harbour, but we've also been able to get back former Warringah Rat, former Wallaby and former ACT Brumby and Scott Fardy to come on board and do Cam's job, which was the assistant coach to head coach Mike Ruffin in the in a forward sense. Still got Jeff Turby on board with the defensive coaching side of it, so. Yeah, it's it's different, but we'll we'll get through and be able to sort that out. Well, Marco, you said you know with Warringah, you said with what all Shane went through there, you would expect uh, nothing less uh, for a club like that to to get themselves back up that uh, up that table. But uh, as I said, we, we we've got a few more teams to talk about. But it, as much as Warringah are making those changes, it's still going to be hard road for them next year. No, indeed. Uh, again, <clears throat> the ten, uh, 10 wins, 8 losses, but the differential was an issue. Again, Baringa, I, I, I mean, it's really, guys, we can talk about each of these clubs and, and they demand success. So, uh, again, Baringa like to be higher. But I've got to, but just on a, on a personal note, if, if I thought I was going to bump into Jeff Toovey in the change rooms of a two blues versus or in a rugby match at the start of the year, I'd need to be slapped with a wet fish. <laughs> well, it may just happen for you, but um, 
We might take our break for this edition of the Splinters podcast. It is the Shoot Shield Rugby Review. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this to talk the top five teams from the competition. Plus, we might have a look through next year's draw a little bit, plus maybe a little bit more. But you are listening to the Splinters podcast here on Triple H 100.1 FM and where you get all your good and bad podcasts. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Your local RSL is at the heart of every community and there is none better in the Hornsby-Karingai area than the Hornsby RSL. Whether you're planning a major event, dinner with family or friends or having a quiet night at your local, Hornsby RSL is the place to be. Rediscover what enjoying life is all about with regular weekly events, special entertainment and some of the best eateries in Sydney, we have you covered for a great night out. As always, drink responsibly. Support the club that supports. Come to Hornsby RSL at 4 High Street, Hornsby or get in touch on 94777777 and at hornsbyrsl.com.au. The Hornsby RSL, proud station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Dom Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Looking for a fun night out with family and friends? Then come to the hidden gem in the Hornsby Coringai area, The Attic. Located inside Hornsby RSL, The Attic provides all the fun and excitement you can expect from a bowling and arcade bar in an intimate location that ensures a real gaming experience for everyone. With four 10-pin bowling lanes, Australia's first augmented reality bowling experience and a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, The Attic is the place to let your inner child run wild. So make sure you book your next night out at The Attic at 4 High Street Hornsby. Call them on 94777777 or book via their website at theattichornsby.com.au. The Attic, part of Hornsby RSL, station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And welcome back to Splinters the Bench podcast here on Triple H 100.1 FM and all your good, bad and bad podcast sites. We do the Splinters podcast thanks to our Triple H station sponsors, Atlas Chart Accountants, The Post, ISC Sport, Business Plaza and the Hornsby RSL. I'm the wise man, Matt Mears, here with the hat rack, Shane Evans and Dave Macca McDonald from Alive 90.5 to talk through 
the 2022 Shoot Shield competition. If you've just tuned in, we've gone through the bottom seven teams. We're now looking at the top five. First up is Eastwood Shane. They also 10 wins and eight losses from their from their 18 games. They finished on a 52 um on 52 points with a 90 differential um to finish in that fifth position. They got a 36 points to 23 win over Eastern Suburbs in the qualifying final. They took out Manly in the semi-finals, 32 points to 26 at North Sydney Oval. That was before they went down in that absolute nail-biter at Pittwater Rugby Park, 10 points to nine over eventual winners, Sydney Uni. You would think that finishing fifth, they would they'd be they would take making the preliminary finals, but again, Eastwood's another one of those clubs that, as I said, that that fifth isn't good enough. They'll be also striving to finish higher up the points tail next season. They definitely will be. Obviously, having Eastwood being the runners up for the last completed shoot shield season back in twenty twenty to the champions in Gordon in that day, but we can now see Eastwood are still making TJ Milner an absolute fortress. No one likes to go there. Obviously, I can speak from experience where our first grade side were absolutely humbled 45-0 by Eastwood out at Milner, but it wasn't a good day for the club in general. If I remember correctly, we're looking at a score differential against us of about 315 to 10. So, yeah, but it's just a big, big difference all the way through the, the club setup. So, yeah, we were, we weren't really good on that day, but Eastwood were able to make their mark and all of that. Obviously, they're moving out to Castle Hill in a couple of seasons. We now know that they've obviously sold off the field there, but until they do move out there, it's still going to be a fortress and no one's going to want to make the trip out there at the moment, but it will be a shame to see them leaving the the Epping fields there and but move out to their new Centre of Excellence field. Looking forward to it. Yeah, Maka, um, they said Shane mentioned that uh, they've got that move pending in the next couple of seasons. We know that they uh, sold off TG Milner back in 2017, but uh, it seems one of those things that this never seems to be going to, it's in the future, in the future, in the future. But as I said, if this is going to be one of the, the final couple of seasons at TG Milner, I said, I've, I've been there many a time. My dad's played there quite a bit when I was a youngster. We've even had Triple H calls in that grandstand, um, whether it is Eastwood Rugby or calling right Eastwood you know, Hawks in the Rugby League. It is one of those iconic grounds in, in um, Shoot Shield Rugby. It'll be sad to see the old girl go. No question. Um, funny, I did live in Epping for a while uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s and did quite frequent TJ Milner. Um, good for, uh, Again, it was always a good afternoon. Um, as a Hills born and bred and a two blues man, am I happy about their move to Castle Hill? No, <laughs> <laughs> but don't get me started on that. We're here to talk about their performance um, throughout the year. I... Saw them in the back end of the year, and I thought despite their fall away, they were right up there. They fell away a little bit towards the end of the year, but they 
The last couple of games, they again, the signs, particularly against the two Blues, I think it was the last game of the year, thought they were really dangerous. And you saw that sign again in the in that first uh, final. Um, but he just said they just come across, uh, again, the perennial uh, powerhouse, of course. But, uh, again, Eastwood, again, just they – I thought they were – Really, in the first half of the year, I thought they were destined for, for better things. Um, they sort of pulled it back there. But, uh, again, it's a bit of a lottery who who goes where because there's not much between you. You look at these, uh, well, again, sides two to six, and they've all had ten wins. Yeah, it is crazy how that there was that log jam in this um, part of the competition because it said we've, we've still got to go up and find some more teams on ten wins. And um, we'll, we'll we'll premise with whatever Shane Evans says uh, about this next club is of his own opinions and do not represent uh, myself or Dave or of Triple H. It is uh, the Manly Mar- Marlins, 18 games, 10 wins, 8 losses. Who would have thought um, for a 61 differential? Their, uh, their bonus points got them to 54 points. They went down to Norse, um, 34 points to 12 in the qualifying finals before they got double bounced out um, to Eastwood, 32 points to 26 in the semifinals. Shane, I know that uh, they're your uh, deadly, deadly rivals, but they do have the wood over uh, Varinga last season in the, uh, in the standings of the shoot shield. But uh, as I said, they've, they've had some lean years themselves. So they would be a team that'd be happy um, making their way back up to fourth because I think the last couple of seasons they might not have even made finals. Yeah, the last two regular seasons, obviously the the last completed season in 2020, they finished 10th from what I can remember, but also last year in the, sh- in the shortened season when we only got to round 11, they'd only had two wins and were sitting in 11th spot as well. But... You've got to give credit where credit's due. Mainly were able to make an astute coaching signing in Phil Blake. Obviously, everyone knows him from his time, obviously, playing and coaching in the Manlaringa Seagulls NRL setup. But to go there and be able to take this side from sitting down towards the bottom of the table up into the semi finals and all that, that's no mean, no mean feat. And as I said, Okay, fair enough. Warringa fans hate hate the Marlins, but we give credit where credit is due, and we'll also give them the begrudging respect that they deserve. But obviously, Phil Blake's now moved on to the the Queensland Reds to work as an assistant coach under Brad Thorne. So yeah, obviously, Manly do have another coach in in waiting. Who it is, I could say, but. I'm going to be respectful at the moment. It hasn't been released officially to the public, so I'll keep that under my shirt at the moment. But, yeah, really look forward to these derby days and they beat us at home. We we just had to make up for it on that really wet weekend. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they go again next year. Yeah, Maka, they are one of those teams that said you, you hear about it in the rugby league, you hear about it in, in a lot of the other the other codes that there's one or two teams that if you know that they're doing well, then it's good for the rest of the competition. And Manly is one of those teams, as I said, they are one of the high profile teams. They, um, they do, they do uh, have that reputation and 
I said, to be back up in fourth position after a couple of lean years, I think it is showing that uh, how uh, the shoot shield has come along uh, in this last season and, and they're one of the, the more success stories uh, with finishing that high on the table. Oh, of course. Again, they expect improvement. Um, Phil Blake, wonderful coach. It's going to be a big loss for them. Um, but, uh, again, Manly always there and thereabouts. So, uh, I mean... If they going, if they have a lean year, don't expect that that's going to continue because they always seem to bounce back. Uh, and again, they will fix um, what they need to in terms of their coaching staff really quickly. And there'll be no shortage of suitors, I'm sure. Shane already knows the lowdown, but not prepared to tell us. Um, <laughs> um, I'm sure they've got some uh, admirable applicants uh, ready to go and uh, Manly will be there and thereabouts again in 2023. And they'll get two wins over Ringer next year. Oh, shots fired. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, you might want to get that um, checked out, Shane. But, uh, yeah, as I said, Shane, Shane not giving any exclusives here to Splinters. We obviously know where his bread is buttered. Um, so much for being the head of sport. Um, we'll go next to the team that finished third. And guess what? They won 10 games as well this year. That's... Um, that is the the Galloping Greens in Ranwick, but they had seven losses, one draw to the eventual minor premiers in Norse, um, finishing in third position. Um, as I said, they uh, they narrowly went down to eventual premier Sydney Uni, 31 points to 29 in the first week. They were then able, they, they were again, they were double bounced out like Manly, the 24 to 23 loss to Gordon at Coogee Oval in that second week of semi final, Shane. So it said one of those ones, Ramwick, they expect to be up at that tippy top part of the uh, ladder. And it said they got themselves the double chance, but they weren't able to take uh, advantage of that bowing out um, after two losses. Yeah, from the. From a Ramwick board point of view, yeah, they they always want to be in that top three, top four, obviously pushing for titles wherever they can in all grades, including the Colts and the ladies. But to be double bounced out during the the final series in two straight matches wouldn't help. But I'll give credit where credit's due, the and congratulations to the in the Colts setup, the second grade. Ranwick Colts defeating my beloved Ringarats in their first second grade Colts grand final for 15 years, able to pick up the win there. Also be interesting because obviously we know that coach Ben Donaldson, who is the head coach out at out at Ranwick at the moment, is has moved on for personal reasons, personal family reasons. So to Ben, whatever happens in the future, best of luck to you. But obviously they're is looking for a new head coach out at Renwick at the moment. Who it is, don't know. There's obviously plenty of candidates in the system if they decide to go from within, but there's also plenty that they can pick from outside the the setup. It just matches whatever the club needs. Yeah, it's one of those ones, Macca, that um, it'll be hanging around in pre-season where they'll be knowing that they had the perfect opportunity at least to make it through to the third week of the finals, but... Uh, They'll be bitterly disappointed going out in the uh, in the in those in that fashion. Uh, two losses in the final series, so you would hope that 
that would be a, a spurring factor for them. Not that they probably need much uh, going into next season, but they'll have a point to prove that they should be tippy-top and that uh, they shouldn't be bounced out like that in the final series. No, but again, it was a one-point loss, and that was absolutely heartbreaking. So that feel very hard done by in that respect. Uh, no one likes going out in straight sets, but uh, again, never, ever right Randwick off. They're always there and thereabouts. Um, interesting, as, as Shane mentioned, a, a change in coaching staff. Um, be interested to hear what the, the, the latest on that is. But again, they've got a strong, again, strong squad all the way through Randwick, and uh, you'd expect them to be in a similar position in 2023. We'll move to the team that finished second on the ladder, but we're our eventual premiers, Sydney Uni. I've said that a fair few times, I think. They actually finished with the most wins of the season with 13, five losses to finish on 67 points. Uh, They beat Randwick 31 to 19 in that first week of the qualifying finals, getting the second week off. They then had that nail-biter 10 points to nine win over Eastwood. Um, in that preliminary final and then did it fairly easy on Leichhardt Oval on grand final day, 26 points to 19 over Gordon, Shane Evans. And I know you might have a few choice words to say about Sydney Uni, but it does show that uh, when they're they're always at the tippy top of this competition and um, they're always one of those odds-on favourites to take out the, the cup at the end of the year. Yeah, I do have some choice words, but the only ones that I can say on air and not get us in trouble with all the relevant authorities is the hashtag of anyone but uni, but you have to give uni the respect that they deserve. They are a well-drilled set up there all the way from the their third-grade cults all the way up to the first grades. Even the women's teams, 99% of them all making finals, Women's team lost the grand final this year to the Gordon women, which is only like their third loss in four seasons there. But Sydney Uni just know how to do everything right. They they pick their players that they want. Obviously, lots of them have had the super rugby experience, be it with either New South Wales Waratahs, the Brumbies, Melbourne Rebels, or wherever the players can get contracts. Obviously, a few of them have then progressed onto the over to England to get full-time contracts over there. But once again, we always know uni's going to be there or thereabouts in all levels. It's just being able to try and get uni on a bad day and try and pick up a win. Most teams go there expecting to try and win but will normally take a close loss, which is almost as good as a win. Yeah, Maka, as I said, we, we, it's one of those ones where when we're recording the 2023 Shoot Shield preview, they'll be the ones at the tippy top of the list when we look at who'll be taking out that competition. It's just a, a team that they, they're able to be a head and shoulders above everyone else and, and they get it jo- get the job done when it counts. Oh, no question. If you were, if I was to predict a winner already, uh, that'd be top of my list. Um, a few interesting points there from the hat rack, which I still want to get the, the understanding of that nickname. Um, well, because he's, it, he's, cause he's involved with so many organisations, he wears so uh, many different hats, so he has to have like a, 
So he's got a, a manly hat, a ringer hat, every all the different hats. Mm. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I could probably call, be called the same. But anyway, no, Sydney. listen, Sydney Uni, uh, again, five losses. One of those was to the two Blues at home, which you would never have expected. Um, but they've had a, they had a consistent run through the, the, the finals. And again, I think that uh, they were really hardened up by that win against Eastwood in the prelim final. Such a tight contest, and uh, again, they were just again showed their their uh, perennial professionalism. Um, that was Shane. So they've got they've got a, a hell of a um, backroom staff, hell of a lot of resources. So you expect Sydney Uni are always going to be up there, and they deserve to uh, win the championship. And last but not least. They finished minor premiers. They actually, they actually only had 12 wins out of their 18 games, um, one behind Sydney Uni, but they had the one draw against Randwick. They finished on 69 points, no snickering. It was uh, North Sydney. Uh, they had the 34-point to 27 win over Manly in the, in the qualifying finals, then went down to Gordon, 23 points to 13 in those prelim finals. Shane has said you just said before that they said they were probably the best team in the competition, but as said they're just slipping at that final hurdle. They they did come up against that Gordon side that was on that huge run uh, coming into that game, but uh, it, it would probably be very disappointing for those Norse fans that would have at least be expecting them to be out at Leichhardt Oval um, come that grand final. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah the. The Shawman, yeah, best side all the way through the regular season. But unfortunately, yeah, it would have been disappointing internally for all the staff and the board and also all their diehard supporters who know that they should have been there, but obviously things have happened and they, they weren't able to get through. But the one bit of coaching change that we can tell you, obviously Simon Beer has step back from his second grade coaching assignment to now become the head of the Colts program out there, otherwise known as director of coaching for the Colts set up. So he'll be able to foster that relationship that he's already got with the grade guys and be able to push it on to the kids to make sure that they actually get through properly so they can follow that path all the way through up to first grade and knowing exactly what the, the senior coaches are looking from them. Yeah, Macca, they'll be disappointed at Norse. You, as I said, I think Shane's correct. They were saying that everyone was predicting that Norse-Sydney Uni grand final, but as I said, they're not a team that you can look past, and uh, you would expect them to be up the top of uh, the table again next season. No, I totally agree. I think uh, having the week off in the semifinals might have, uh, played into Gordon's hands um, uh, and they were just caught off guard. You mentioned that they had a rampaging run, Gordon, into the finals. Well, North, again, had the week off come up against them, so they'd be really, really disappointed that they did not face Sydney Uni in the grand final. Uh, again, they would have given a real good account of themselves on that. Um, again, just reiterate Shane's comments, strong club all the way through. And, uh, again, look out. The red and black will be out there again in 2023. Um, pretty Again, we've been saying that for the last few times, <laughs> guys. It's, um, it's been such an interesting competition in 2022 um, that um, 2023 just uh, 
has a lot of exciting prospects. It certainly does. And uh, doing our podcast now means that we've actually seen the fixtures for 2023. And uh, we talk about a blockbuster uh, round one. Um, I'll read it out and I'll get your boys' thoughts on it. But when you've got games like Easts versus Eastwood, you've got that rematch, Northern Suburbs versus Sydney Uni round one. That's going to be a, a blockbuster. Um, Southern District's take on Gordon. Raringa versus Ranwick. That's another huge game. Um, I know you'll have your eyes on this one, Macca, the West Harbour taking on the two Blues. And then the Wildfires versus Manly. I said some big games there to start um, round one in 2023. Can't wait. Yeah, exciting. Western Derby to start with. Uh, but, yeah, how mouth-watering is that northern suburb Sydney University class straight up, um, as well as Warringah, Randwick, East and Eastwood. Like, yeah, again, it's wow, very exciting. Yeah, they've certainly uh, come around and... Uh, shown that uh, it's going to be they, – they, they want to put the best foot forward. They want to have the best games on early in the season when uh, people will be tuning in. And uh, it's going to be a blockbuster 2023. Um, Shane Evans, I know you've been looking through the rest of the draw. Have you been able to find uh, – have you been able to pick out any of the, the other big games coming up throughout the rest of uh, the season? Well, surprise, surprise, Mizzy, obviously being a, a Warringah staff member and all of that, obviously, personally, I'm looking forward to the two Battle of the Beaches. We'll get head up to round seven, which is May 13. We make the trip down the road to the to the poorer end of the Northern Beaches out at Manly Oval, and we let them host us out there on that so-called cricket field out there at Manly Oval. But then the return matches, second last round, round 17, the 29th of July, where they make the trip up to the more expensive end of the northern beaches and to the better-looking pastures of Pitwater Rugby Park, Rat Park, North Narrabeen Reserve. You call it what you want. But, yeah, that's usually where we can actually play all our games on two fields side by side. We don't have to have our fields split by three or four kilometres. But last but not least, Macca, Macca, Macca. Looking forward to coming to your place and kicking your backside with a nice big green and white spoon where we sit there and play these guys. Yes, we are talking round 11. We are talking the first week, the first full weekend in June on the, on the 8th there being able to sit there and have some fun out at your place whilst you're doing your announcing, that's fine. But we'll we'll take the win on the field. Well, mate, anybody anybody but Sean Maloney and um, I'll be on board. But uh, we know that we need to get the right police out for round 10 at Eric Tweedle Stadium. I'll make sure that happens. But uh, that is time up here on the Splinters podcast for another week. Um, we thank both of you, Shane, mate, pleasure to have you here as well. Thank you for all your insight. Mate, it's been a great review of the 2022 season, obviously brand new 2023 season coming up shortly, but we'll talk more about in the preview early next year. And Maka, mate, we always love when you join on and uh, hopefully we'll see you shortly for maybe some other projects in the works. Of course, it's cricket season, so I'm sure we'll be in touch soon, guys. Thanks for having me, as always. Mate, thank you again. 
Um, I said another edition of Splinters Podcast in the bag. I said we do the Splinters Podcast thanks to their Triple H Sports sponsors in the post ISC Sport Business Plaza, Hornsby RSL, and um, Atlas Chartered Accountants. So for the team, I am the wise man, Matt Mears. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday at 8 o'clock with more Splinters. And until then, bye for now. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.